Welcome to Relatable Rhetoric. I'm your host, Adrian Robertson, and on this show, I drop you into real-life stories of wifehood, parenthood, and life as a Black woman. Every episode holds a mirror up to women's lives to find ways to avoid burnout. It's a mix of sarcasm, unending topics we can all relate to, and reassuring reminders that women can find their stride. Hey y'all, welcome back. I hope you've had a great week. I'm excited, as always, about today's topic. So today we're talking about marriage. This one is for my wives, um, but if it's some husbands out there, thank you for joining us. Um, I think this is helpful to anyone who's in a marriage. So come one, come all. I will start by saying that this is my anniversary week and I am making this episode to pay homage to marriage and to the fact that I am coming up on my nine year anniversary. So in case you've been listening and you're like, I haven't heard a whole lot of topics about marriage. Where is this coming from? That's where it's coming from. Um I don't typically like to speak on marriage because I feel like I am a forever student when it comes to marriage. I am not the teacher. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of why I don't typically go. I don't speak on that topic. However, I think that we learn so much from each other when we are open about our experiences. And that's not to say that we put our business in the streets. Uh, But there is an exchange that can happen between married people that allows us to learn and also to understand that we are not the only ones who have peaks and valleys in marriage. I wish that more people, especially um, older people and older generations, have been more transparent about marriage when I was younger. And just the people that I've talked to, because a lot of the older, you know, people they talk about, you know, just being married for a long time and making it work and praying through things and sticking it out. But they never really talk about the how or they never talk about the specifics. But the more things that I have come up against in my own marriage and I have gone to people that I trust and people who have longstanding marriages that um, I am close to, they start to open up and say, oh, yes, honey, that's, you know, that happened with us. Or yes, that's common Or um, I went through that. And I'm like, you know, it would have been nice <laughs> to know that what I am going through is normal, especially during the times when I was going through them. Um, and maybe not if normal to know that there is a path forward because you think, oh, shoot, something happened. I got to get a divorce. (laughs) It's over, said and done. We, you know, it's a wrap. Um, But then you start to learn that these things happen or can happen in your marriage. And it doesn't have to be the end. Whatever that thing may be. I am not going to get into the specifics. um, But I do want to point that out. I just... I feel like if more people were transparent, and I'm talking about our uh, 
circles, our families, our parents, you know, people that we are close with. I'm not talking about just, you know, the masses, but if the people that we have our support systems, when we go to them and we talk about, hey, I'm thinking about getting married <laughs> or, you know, just certain topics come up. What do you think about X when it comes to marriage? What do you think about Z when it comes to marriage? If people were more honest about their own experiences, even if they don't reveal that maybe, you know, that's something that happened with them. If it was just more common to talk about the struggles, the peaks, the valleys of marriage, then we would have a better outlook of it and not feel like our marriage is gone to crap because we hit a rough patch. Because you have this romanticized view of marriage and you think you're supposed to have this honeymoon period for however long. And it's funny because the more that I t speak about um, honeymoon periods with like friends and family and things, you realize that those first couple of years are actually some of the hardest because you have just thrown yourself into a brand new dynamic. You've always been by yourself up until that point. And so coming together and becoming one is like being a fish out of water. It is very uncomfortable, very frustrating. There are growing pains, but everyone around you is telling you, you're supposed to be in honeymoon phase. And you're like, okay, so how long this honeymoon phase is supposed to last? Cause um, yeah, and I'm not honeymooning. <laughs> um, so yes, I, I just wanted to preface this whole thing with, this is why I am speaking about marriage. Um, especially to those who listen, who know any parts of my story, I am not stepping out to say that I am the expert, <laughs> honey, I'm the student. <laughs> I am just sharing, as I always say, the things that have helped me along the way. And if they help you, that's awesome. If they don't, or if you don't even want to try them, I respect that. Thank you for listening anyway. All right. So getting right to the actual topic, talking about the fact that, you know, shouldn't my husband make me happy? You know, like, is that, isn't that a requirement for marriage? <laughs> because so many things happen and you're like, you know what, you're getting on my nerves. Or you know what, I am not happy. <laughs> What's going on? Well, it's funny in marriage, I have found that the greatest moments of love, understanding, grace and harmony came when I decided not to look to my spouse, not to look to my husband. And I know it sounds harsh, but just just go with me for a moment. When I get frustrated at what my husband is doing or not doing, uh, I can easily get lost in all the flaws that seem to exist. And I can easily get impatient, overwhelmed, and at times hopeless. Like it's a wrap. I'm, you know, I'm done. I'm <laughs> be quick to throw my hands up. I can get myself so worked up. And while sometimes I am justified in how I feel, justification doesn't solve problems. We know this. It doesn't matter how right you are. If you don't see eye to eye, you still have the same problem sitting in front of you. And early in my marriage, my life's work, honey, 
<laughs> was getting my husband to understand me. No, you need to understand. You need to see it the way I see it. You need to be here with me. <laughs> I'm doing hand gestures, but I know you guys can't see me. Um, <clears throat> but then when I realized that either wouldn't happen or that it wouldn't bring me comfort, I started looking inward. Like, what was I doing wrong? And God quickly revealed to me, um, and I say inward, this, you know, one of my ways of going inward is prayer. Um, I don't know what those ways are for you, um, but prayer sustains me. And I will go ahead and also preface this episode with the fact that it is strongly faith-based. Um, I am a believer in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, so if that is not what you believe in, you are um, more than welcome <laughs> to try Jesus. No, <laughs> to stick around, you know, just whatever it is that you believe in, insert it there. But I'm definitely going to make it very plain that when I speak of my deity, I am talking about Christ. But yeah, so God quickly reveals to me that, yes, you know, while I have been doing some things wrongly, you know, my biggest issue was failing to look to him. When I felt unhappy, unfulfilled, drained, doubtful, anxious, hurt, you name it, <laughs> I was supposed to turn to Christ, lay down my burdens with him, and he can replace my weakness with strength and comfort me like none other. But instead, I would try to fill my voids in one of two ways. I would either try to make my husband fill those voids or just project my unhappiness onto him and just really be a really hard person to live with. <laughs> but undoubtedly, both of those routes always led me to taking my frustrations out on him. And what I've learned over the years is that, you know, sometimes, well, some voids can only be filled by God and his ordained purpose for me. In all of my voids and inadequacies, God makes me whole. Then I can take my whole healed self to my spouse and have the grace and compassion I need to be the best partner for him. Now, I used to think that through my prayer time, I would find the grace I needed to deal with my husband. And I did. <laughs> I did get that. Um, but what I also found was just how graceful God has been towards me. It was like he was holding up a mirror to me to say, yes, you know, I'm not doubting that maybe what you're praying for for your husband is is valid. And he might need to work on them things. We, You know, I might need to get in there and do, do some work. However, here's you. Here's where you are. And here's how you can take step forwards yourself. <laughs> yes, prayer gives me the ability to be more graceful towards my husband, but it also gives me a new perspective. Now I see that I need just as much and more <laughs> grace than what I perceive my husband to need. And that's the miraculous workings of prayer. It's a paradox, really, 
And that what I'm seeking God to do in my husband, you know, fix this and fix that. And he needs to stop this and he needs to start this and that <laughs> is really what God is trying to do within me. And that's not to say that it's parallel, you know, that he needs to do the exact same thing that I'm praying for, you know, my, him to do in my spouse. But he can show me the areas in me that need to be worked on. And it's, you know, prayer isn't just for grace, obviously. It's also when I need. I'm in need of forgiveness or strength or affirmation, love, consolation, anything. So I'm sure you're probably thinking, okay, but ain't my husband supposed to make me happy? Um, yes and no. <laughs> you know, many times when we're feeling low or lost or just a uh, void of fulfillment and purpose, really any negative way, we expect our spouses to pick up the pieces and make us feel better to remind us of our worth, our value, um, and just how loved we are. And yes, your spouse, your husband, they can and they should, but to a degree, because it's a tall order for anyone to do that all the time. And to be honest, many of the battles we face are internal battles that our spouses know nothing about. Things that are from our childhoods or our upbringings or our day-to-day -day that maybe our spouse doesn't know about, things that, fears that we have, um, inhibitions, uh, insecurities that we've never really voiced to our spouse. And to expect them to be able to heal us of those things is unfair to be to like to be very frank. It's very unfair because while our spouses can try their best to meet our emotional needs, among others, you know, obviously, it is not their responsibility to give us joy or any other sense of wholeness. It's not up to any other person, even your spouse, yes, to make you happy. Happiness is an inside job, and by that I mean it's your responsibility to make yourself happy. And I'm not saying that you are the one who gives you joy because <laughs> I truly believe that only God can do that. I think that we can get ourselves only but so far, but it's up to you to take the step and turn towards him. It's up to you to have those moments of prayer, have those moments of, of meditation, introspection, uh, just reflection. You have to make the choice to do that for you. And I do think that the most promising and most rewarding way to do that is to go to the creator of joy himself, <laughs> the almighty God. Once you realize that Jesus Christ is your never ending, never leaving source of all you'll ever need spiritually and emotionally, you never have to worry about feeling whole again. So I'm sure you're like, okay, okay, you got all that. You got Jesus. You got everything you need. Then what is my spouse for? What is my husband for if that's the case? <laughs> you know, what? shouldn't my spouse meet me halfway? Shouldn't my husband meet me halfway? Because there is this idea that in relationships, each spouse puts in 50%. Meet me halfway, right? Well, uh, with chores and housework and finances, Sure, absolutely meet me halfway. 
But with emotional and spiritual stability, that is not going to cut it. You have to bring 100% of yourself always, which means that I'm not looking to another person for the joy that I'm lacking, for the peace that I'm lacking, or the confidence that I'm lacking, or the purpose that I'm lacking. Instead, I'm looking to Christ because all that I'm lacking is filled by him. And I'm not saying that you have to be perfect. When I say 100%, I'm not saying you got to be perfect and come bring your perfect self to this other perfect person and we're going to live together in Christ forever. Amen. No. <laughs> Let me break down 100%. When I bring me and God to the table, now I'm bringing 100%. Because God will always pick up my slack. He stands and feels the gap <laughs> wherever I am. I could be at 37%. He's going to come with 60, what is it? 63%. Look, I had to do some quick math. <laughs> and now I can bring my 100%. He's going to compensate for what I'm missing. If I'm feeling depressed today, God brings me joy. If I'm feeling doubtful today, God is my reassurance. If I'm feeling broken today, God is my healer. If I'm feeling lost today, God can give me direction. If I'm feeling hurt today, God is my comforter. And I can go on and on, but it doesn't matter what I'm in need of. If I have God, I have all that I need. He is my source. Which brings me right back to that question. <laughs> if God is my everything, what do I need a husband for? Okay, despite the obvious, okay, we're humans and we crave intimacy and we crave closeness and to just be able to build a family here on this earth. <laughs> All of those reasons exist, yes. But that's not what I'm going to get at with this next point. When you take the mindset that God is my source into your marriage, you are not saying, I don't need my spouse. I don't need my husband. You're just saying that we need God at the center. Because truth be told, there will be a multitude of things you and your spouse will need that only God can provide. And the list, I mean, it can go on and on. You will need them individually, you will need them together. You will need them as a unit. You will need them as parents. You will need them as providers. Every aspect of your life requires God in some form or fashion. Yes, your spouse is there. Your spouse is by your side. Your spouse is going to be there with you along the way. And they are going to bring value to your life, but not in the way that God does. And I, they, I can't say that in any other way. What the two bring are different, <laughs> straight up. And you know, in return for the relationship that you build with God, he will fill you with a nurturing, empathetic, free spirit to truly meet your spouse where they are. Because every day won't be peachy. 
On a day when your spouse is struggling emotionally, God may place what they need in you and vice versa. That may be how he fills in the gap. That may be his choice, his method. We don't know his ways. His ways are higher than ours. <laughs> Come on, scripture, slide that in there. But, but to be honest, his ways are higher than ours. So how he chooses to meet the need in you, it may be showing up through your spouse. But how can God impart anything to you or your spouse unless you first give him the chance? If you, If I was trying to tell you something, but you never answer my phone calls, you don't listen to my voicemails. You don't read my text messages. How in on earth are you going to get the message? Like how how am I going to communicate X, Y, and Z? If I don't have a relationship with God, I never spend a moment in prayer with Him, which is truly just communication. It's just communication. It it is not anything that's fancy. That is. Uh, based on a template or something you learn, it is just communicating with him. How can he give me what I need for the challenges ahead or the insight to know how to navigate the challenges that my spouse may be facing? God may simply want to share with me how best to coexist with my partner while God does the part. He's like, no, I don't, I don't need your help. I'm trying to do this over here, but what, here's what you can be doing in the meantime. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Like I have two kids and like I might be trying to do something with one and the other one is getting all in the way. And it's like, look, 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 you sit over here and do this and this will, you know, keep you busy while I do this with your brother. <laughs> it sounds like bath time for me in my home, but it's like that with a lot of different things when it comes to parenting. But who's to say God is not the same way? Because spouses, yes, they come together and they are one. So you feel like, okay, God, when you're doing work, let me step in. Let me help. Let me do this. And he's like, no, be still. Be still and know that I am God. And I'm doing, I've actually already done <laughs> what needs to be done. But the time, the timeline in which it needs to come to fruition has to take place. This thing has to be developed. It has to be planted it has to bud it has to germinate it has to sprout it has before it can grow and show up as fruit in your life oh thank you jesus you better speak y'all got me in here preaching <laughs> so yes by cultivating your relationship with god you tap into a never-ending source as well as adding longevity to your marriage and I'm going to drop this and I'm we're going to head on to our next segment. However, showing up to your marriage without God, who gives you your 100%, who allows you to show up as the 100%, when you show up without that, when you show up without him and without a relationship with him, even with a heart full of love and great intentions, you are showing up empty handed. I firmly believe that. I'm gonna leave that there. I, like I said, I do not talk about marriage often, but I definitely wanted to share this um, with you. 
and I hope that it helps. Again, I am I have been married for nine years. I'm still learning. And if there's anything that you want to add to this topic or even challenge, I want to hear from you. Please send me a DM, a message, an email. Drop me a comment. All of my contact information is in the show notes. I would love to hear from you because like I said before, I am a forever student of marriage. (laughs) Forever student. And that's all. So we are going to head to the segment. Why didn't they tell us? So why didn't they tell us is a fun segment where we basically make light of the topic we just discussed. It's really an opportunity for us to end on a very good, high note. Because <laughs> some of the topics we, we to discuss can tend to be heavy. Uh, and yeah, we just, we just want to end on a good note. So the first one is, why didn't they tell us how much marriage changes you? Like, bending is an understatement. It's truly a complete transformation. (laughs) Who you were pre-marriage as a single person, even as a boyfriend or girlfriend, is not who you will become (laughs) when you're married. The level of evolution and growth and maturity and selflessness that you go through Growing pains, honey, is, like I said, it's an understatement. You really do become a different person. And I I would argue that you become a, a better person because, or at least if you, you know, if you lean into it, okay, you can become a better person because when you are single, you can do what you want and stay the way that you are forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> But when you come together with another person, it does challenge you and in many ways require you to come out of your shell, to begin to think differently and do things differently and consider another person. And that creates an evolution that can be beautiful if you allow it to happen. You learn true love and what that looks like and how it ain't all peaches and cream. (laughs) You learn forgiveness, unending forgiveness. What is that quote that's like marriage is really just two people who learn how to forgive over and over? I'm pretty sure I just butchered that. It it sounded a lot better than that. (laughs) But that's essentially what the quote is. Forgiveness is real. You learn how to not be resentful and to not hold a grudge and to let things go. And that doesn't mean that you won't go through some phases and some rough patches where you struggle with these things. But if you tackle them head on through whatever method you see fit together, through counseling, therapy, through shoot time, through prayer and church, you know, whatever, whatever that thing is that you go to, to try to mend and continue to grow your marriage, you can truly build something that is phenomenal. But yeah, it marriage changes you. (laughs) Why didn't they tell us that marriage ain't for the week? Okay. It is not all sunshine and daisies. You got to have some grit. You got to have some resilience. You got to have some stamina. Do you hear me? 
you have got to have some some get up and go. You got to have some patience. You got to have some long suffering. Look, I'm about to pull out the, the uh, <laughs> what are they, the adjectives of the Bible. <laughs> you got to have all that and some more. And lastly, why didn't they tell us that marriage is a living, breathing organism? You have to give it life. It blossoms, matures, grows, and produces fruit. But only if you nurture it. You can't go into it thinking that you have everything you need and you're ready and you're equipped and that's the end all be all. Nope. <laughs> you're going to have to go into it knowing that change is your new constant. And that's not to say that it's, you know, that there is never any peace or calm or steadiness that comes, you know, with marriage. That's not the case. But you do have to be willing to shift, to pivot, to reevaluate, to change, straight up. And as you nurture your marriage, yes, it will produce fruit in more ways than you know. Or at least that's what I have seen. And yeah, that's, that's all I have. Um, if you got married, cause I know this is a very popular season for getting married. If you got married in the spring or summer season, I want to say happy anniversary to you. If you are getting married in this spring or summer of 2021, congratulations to you. Happy first. Look, no, I guess that's not technically your first anniversary, but congratulations to you. <laughs> um, and I'm looking forward to celebrating my anniversary, actually, by the time you hear this episode, I will have already celebrated my ninth anniversary. But anywho, I hope that you will meet me right back here next Monday. It's new episodes every Monday. So yes, meet me right back here next week on Relatable Rhetoric. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you'll check out other episodes and more importantly, find your stride, sis.